Welcome back, everybody. My name is Ruben Cuevas, host of Gathering Strength, the podcast that helps you to acquire and accumulate all sorts of strength, primarily in the domains of building mental fortitude, developing your physical prowess, helping you to obtain a deeper connection with your spirituality, and because nothing is free in life, helping you to deepen those pockets. That's right. Now, I want to kick off this podcast episode by posing a question. Have you ever felt overwhelmed by the demands of life, yearning for calmness, clarity, and how about bolstering your confidence? Well, you're in for a treat. In my upcoming episode, I have the incredible Kevin Koo, a seasoned life coach with a unique approach. Kevin's expertise lies at the intersection of life, business, and leadership, guiding individuals towards their goals. In a riveting conversation, Kevin and I, we dive into practices that help us to flourish, such as meditation. Kevin talks about his business strategies, and how he helps clients by simplifying their lives. He's not just a coach. He's a husband, father, speaker, writer, and a behavior analyst, bringing a wealth of experience to the table. Kevin believes in shedding stressors and baggage, emphasizing that life isn't about having, or doing more. If you're curious about Kevin's insights, hey, well then be sure to mark your calendars because we're both going to be talking and taking stage at the Becoming a Better Youth Summit on February 17th. I will be leaving links to that event as well as all of the links to connect with Kevin Koo in the show notes. Along with that information, I'm also going to be leaving links so that you can go and check out my book. It is called Gathering Strength. Everything is Fuel. And you can find that on Amazon, available in paperback, as well as an e-version. And for the whole month of February, I'm going to be donating 100% of the proceeds to my local church, So not only is your purchase going to be bolstering your mindset and perspective on life, but hey, the proceeds are also going to be going to uplift and help other people. So hey, it's a win-win. So if you're ready to get into it, let's get into it. My conversation with Kevin Koo. I'm a husband, I'm a father, uh, first and foremost, right? Family is most important. Um, but I'm also a life and business coach. Uh, and uh, the last 15 years, I've been a behavior analyst. So I've been working with the special needs population, um, doing, doing that type of work with behavior challenges. Uh, and then I do a little bit of tennis coaching on the side. And uh, this, my most recent thing has been a wannabe sourdough bread baker. So, uh, <laughs> nice. Yeah. 
Uh, you know, uh, sourdough must be trending because there is a gentleman by the name of Nick Bear. Uh, he's a phenomenal guy. He's an entrepreneur, you know, uh, grassroots upbringing, uh, started from the military. But um, his wife, she's into uh, baking bread. And I believe Bill Burr, the comedian Bill Burr, he is into mm-hmm. breaking, baking bread as well. So, hey, you know, there, there's something in the water that has to, um, you know, it's going around getting the, uh, sure. the, the yeast to rise, right? But you're, in, you're into the sourdough uh, baking uh, hobby right now, right? Yeah, it's very much a hobby, very much an amateur. But yeah, <laughs> there's something about that, that life-giving thing, um, like feeding the, the starter. And there's this growth process where it expands and comes back down, expands, right, as you feed it. There's something that, as a life coach, I really appreciate of like, oh, there's a pulse to life. Mm-hmm. And if you feed something, it will grow. But if you don't feed it, it'll die over time. Wow. And, and you know, that's yeah. a that, that's a double-edged sword, right? We want to feed the things that we that are positive in our lives, and we want to starve the things that uh, are deleterious to our lives. Now, you mentioned that you are a life coach. How did you mm-hmm. go about you know, wanting to become that, how did you even know that that was some, a service that people needed? Yeah. So, uh, so I have my own business doing the behavioral work. And when I had that business, I got myself a business coach. Uh, and you know, I've worked with her for like, it was like six years or something like that. Uh, and over that time, more and more of our conversations had less to do with business and more to do with life. Mm. And I was just so blown away by what she was doing for me that I was like, hey, how can I do this for other people? Right? Because when I talk about, oh, I do like behavioral work and special needs, very few people actually know what that means and what that looks like. Um, life coaching, I feel, feel like is, it's still abstract, but it's, it's a bit more relatable. It's like, oh, everyone's got life problems, so they could probably use a coach. And so there was that kind of like almost like branding or label um, that I felt like would be more accessible so I could start working with anyone and everyone. Um, so, so that, that's kind of how that started. And, you know, uh, for me, like, thank goodness it was for COVID with the shelter in place, I actually had time to go and work on that and study it, uh, and then start building up a client base too. Interesting. The thing about coaching is that even Tiger Woods has a golf swing coach, you know, Michael Jordan has a coach, um, Stephen Curry, they, they have shooting coaches and, it, yeah. it, it's one of those understandings that I have come to realize about myself. I, I think about that principle. I'm like, you know what? These, these greats, these goats, right? They all have mentors. Yeah. They all have coaches. They all have mm-hmm. someone to help shape them into the, the best version of themselves. And now if yeah. all of the, the people who sit at the tops of these um, you know, per- perceived societal mountains of success, here I am yeah. just a lone wolf trying to figure it out by myself. There's an old mm-hmm. adage that if you want to go fast, go alone. But if you want to go yeah. far, you, you, you link up, you, you go together. Yeah. And yeah. I already, I, I believe in myself. I know that I can get the job done, whatever it is, big and small. I'm willing to struggle forward. Now, mm-hmm. uh, I'm 40 years old, and one of the things that I am trying to do, to, to do now is cultivate a network of like-minded individuals so that mm. you know I'm not going by myself 
as often or as frequently. I want to um, I want to expand and strengthen my network to have individuals like you in there. So, hey, you know, the old adage is iron sharpens iron. I can help you with, with, with some aspect in your life. You can help me with some aspect in my life. And therefore, because we are the rising tide, all of the boats that are resting on our waters, they're going to be rising as a byproduct of that. Um, there, there is yeah. a gentleman, his name is uh, Ralph Waldo Emerson, and he has a great quote. Uh, he says that, um, he, he says that every man that he meets is better at him in some aspect of his life, and therefore he learns from him. So today we're mm-hmm. going to be learning from Kevin Koo, a life coach, um, if someone were to reach out to you and solicit your services, mm-hmm. what's something that you would, you know, start with? Hey, what's what's base one? How how do we look? How do we analyze your life? How can an individual even come to the conclusion that they need someone like you in their lives? Yeah, that that's a great question. Um, usually, people come to me because there's a problem. Right. Usually when things are going good, like nobody really is asking for help. It's when there's struggles that come along the way. And it's like, man, I got to talk to someone. Um, and so, so for example, you know, I had, I had this one client, she initially came to me because she was, uh, she didn't understand why she couldn't speak up at work. Mm. Right. So like, it's like, oh, my boss or colleague would say something. And like, I had a better idea, but I wasn't speaking up for some reason. And so, you know, that's kind of what we would work on, right? Um, and part of that process, right? And usually when we think there's a problem, like we focus on that specific area. Mm-hmm. Uh, but what I do, and the reason why I say I'm a life coach first before I'm a business coach, is because I try to look at how everything else is linked up, right? It, it doesn't really make sense to only focus on business if your relationships are suffering, if you have no social life, right? If you're not taking care of your physical health, mm. right? There's all these other things. And so, I start to look at, I have a tool called the wheel of life where I break down life into 10 different categories and we just do a quick evaluation. It's like a 15 minute process. Mm-hmm. And I've had a lot of people go, oh my goodness, I, you know, if I actually focus on my health and not on my job, my job would actually just get better because my health was, my health was better. Right. Or it's like, man, like it's been kind of rough at home with, with my partner or with my kids. It's like, well, maybe I should actually spend an extra hour or just like 15 minutes going to bed or something where I could really focus on that relationship. And like when I'm feeling loved, I feel unstoppable. So then that's what's going to allow me to go, you know, (laughs) take the island, so to speak. Yeah. And Uh, how did you um, how did you come about compiling the 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 circle or your wheel of of life? And mm -hmm. how did you you come about that? Yeah, so it was actually something I got from my own coaching mentor. Uh, there's a lot of different versions of Wheel of Life. If you were to just go Google it right now, you'd find like a dozen different versions of it. Some have more categories, some have less. Mm-hmm. Uh, my specific version, what I really like that I don't see in um, the other ones is there's this like spiritual component in the middle of the wheel. So it's kind of like your spoke. Or, or it's, it's, um, what would it be that, that holds the wheel in place, right? In each of your categories is a section of the wheel. Um, and for me as a life coach, where I tend to go as well is I'll bring in like a spiritual component to it because mm-hmm. for me, like I identify as Christian. Mm-hmm. And so I know without God's support, there are so many things I couldn't do. 
Like I just wouldn't have the strength because it's too big for me as a, a single person. Do you have to have the fundamental belief system of Christianity to partake in no. your services or your your guiding? No, no. So, so I like I'm, I'm not here to actively push Christianity on anyone. Mm-hmm. I, I do talk about some kind of spiritual practice. Do you believe in something? Do you have some form of faith? Mm-hmm. Um, because what I found, and and when I look at these successful, like you mentioned, all the sports people, like Steph Curry, every time he makes a three, who is he pointing to first? Mm-hmm. Right there, there seems to be this aspect of faith and believing in something bigger than yourself that becomes like this. I don't know, like like a full gas tank or like a supercharged battery yeah. that allows you to kind of keep going even when you're on empty, even though your physical body is drained. There's this. A supernatural power that keeps you going yeah and, that, and so sorry go ahead continue know, yeah yeah and so i felt like it would be wrong of me to actually not at least talk about that i i don't need anyone to believe what i believe i just need them to believe what they believe yeah and, that, and so there's that clarity of like hey if you don't have this practice and you feel like you're a little lost in life maybe that's an area to explore Definitely. And here's some resources, right? And, you know, I was, my, my mom's Buddhist. She kind of raised me Buddhist. I'm like, hey, go check this out. Go check that out. Like, I go and explore everywhere as well just to kind of see. Because as a coach and then just as a person, what I'm really curious about is truth. Yes, absolutely. And, and so that's like, you know, I'm on my path of finding my truth. And I'm here to walk along with you on your path towards your truth. You know, the thing about truth is that as you acquire and accumulate more absolute truth, you see things differently. And it's like, man, the, the truth, it's never ending. It is the, the thing about truth is that a, a lot of people can lie to themselves and try oh. to twist the reality of the universe to fit a certain narrative. But yeah. truth doesn't need to be fabricated truth needs to be discovered truth like once you understand and see a little bit more clear when you see the truth then you can navigate the world a little bit more effortlessly and remove all of the unnecessary suffering which would have been the result if you were just blindly heading off into the future with your own biases and your own constructed uh narrative uh, there is a old-timey philosopher, his name is Frederick Nietzsche, and he said that you can tell the measure of a man by how much truth that he's willing to face without it being dumbed down, diluted, disguised, sugar-coated, because you mm. know, there's, a, there's another old adage that, man, truth is hard, truth is heavy, and truth mm. will crush the weakest of of backs and face. And there's this one song. Um, uh, it, it, it's a popular song, and he's talking about how he doesn't want to know that his girl's stepping out on him. He's like, keep it on the low. I don't want to know. Keep it on the low because the truth will shatter his constructed reality of the relationship. He would rather be blind to the reality of his girl stepping out on uh, on him rather than yeah. facing all of those truths that encompass that. And, you know, there's a lot of things that are like that, you know, just to, to, to be in denial about your relationship. Hey, how about being in denial about your finances, being in denial about your physical health or lack thereof, being in denial about your kids, just whatever, whatever you can deny yourself and 
whatever truths that you can disguise and water down and dilute, it's like you're not doing anything other than weakening yourself and creating a bigger problem. Absolutely. Um, you and I, we, we, I, I see we are cut from the from the same cloth. Um, you have the spiritual side of of yourself, and that's where you obtain a lot of your power. Um, it, it's that's called the Holy Spirit, the indomitable spirit, right? That's the spirit yeah. that can live in everyone, and that is the spirit that says that no weapon formed against you is gonna prosper. It doesn't say that it's not gonna be formed or exist, but. Mm-hmm. It's not going to prosper. We have the indomitable spirit to break free and shed all of those shackles, but it's going to come with the truth of God, with the faith and the actions that we do once all of that is revealed to us. Um, mm-hmm. in, in my podcast, I talk about uh, um, developing mental fortitude, um, a deeper connection with your spirituality, uh, financial mm-hmm. stability, and physical mm-hmm. prowess. Um, you have, yeah. um, and, and I believe that those pillars are, you know, the foundation of of someone's life. If all of those yeah. things are weak or imbalanced, then you're going to be a weak and imbalanced person. Um, yeah. So if, if someone were to come to you and say, hey, you know, I don't know why, but I, I have, I'm, I'm low in energy. I haven't worked out in over a year, maybe even a damn decade, because those people exist, right? How would yeah. you how would you guide someone who's coming to you with that scenario? Uh, yeah, you know, I. So part of being a coach in my training is, um, I believe everyone's truth already resides within themselves, mm. and so my goal here is actually to draw it out. I, I'm not here to tell anyone what to do. Mm, yeah right like i have thoughts i have recommendations but really those are part of my truth and no one else has to take them on so a lot of the coaching process is asking questions and kind of getting a basic assessment like well what do you like to do what's going to feel good for you right what's not going to be too scary because I, I i look a lot at like how stress shuts down the body as well yeah right that's one of the, the, my considerations when i work with people and when we start having conversations like "Ooh, it looks like you're getting a little stress or is that too much pressure Right. Why don't we back off a little bit and find the right balance for yourself? Right. And so that whole process, I, to me, I, I call it it's a mirroring process. When you're talking to me, you're not you're not actually talking to another person. Mm. You're looking in the mirror and talking to yourself. Wow. Yeah, I've heard I've heard that. Right. And, and so I, I think, you know, good coaches will do that. Right. And w- when you're in a relationship with a coach, trust is the first thing that has to be developed if you don't trust your coach it, it, it's not going to go very far mm. right and so if we're talking about physical health right i'm like all right like what have you been doing what what aren't you doing why aren't you doing it and nobody's going to answer that question honestly if they don't trust the person yeah so so that that's really my role how do i create a safe environment how do i create uh, a space where you can be vulnerable and actually open up and just be you and know that you will not be judged for it. Nice. Right. And then from there, all kinds of stuff will come up. You know, I was working with a client. She's, I think she turned 70 last year. So she was maybe like 69, 68 when we, when we first met. But part of her thing was like, 
oh, I used to work out all the time prior to COVID, but I got, I got COVID once it hit and I had long COVID and she was out for like over a year. Mm-hmm. Right. And she was older as well. And she's like, I just can't do any of this stuff. Right. And what she needed was just a little encouragement. She already knew her workout routine because she was doing it prior to getting sick. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, okay, well, what, what do you think you could do? Right. It's like, you know, can you do the weights? Like, oh, I don't, I don't think I can do that. I don't want to push my body too hard and have the whole long COVID stuff come up again. Like, okay, cool. It's like, what could work? It's like, well, maybe I could just take a walk around my work building. Like, all right, how long would that take? And, and you know, like, I'm just asking really simple, like information gathering questions. Yeah. But through that, she picked out her own workout routine. And then she texts me two days later, like, hey, I did my full workout. I'm like, what? Like you went from doing nothing for almost two years to doing your full workout within two days. And what was so fascinating to me was like, it was just helpful to be able to talk it out and to get some encouragement. Wonderful. Us humans, we are complex, multifaceted uh, beings, right? Like it's it's that simple. Um, perhaps, you know, she just needed to clarify her mind through the medium of conversation and she just needed to formulate her thoughts articulate a internal dialogue to somebody else which was guided by you kevin ku the life coach which you were open <laughs> and actively listening to her and you just yeah. kind of um guided her simply like you you had just said like you don't tell them what to do you guide them and that's what you know a a coach does it's like hey i'm gonna i'm gonna guide you and we're gonna get there and as a result you are going to deliver yourself from the the wilderness from the desert into your own proverbial land of milk and honey where abundance flows right yeah Um, yeah can you tell me are there, you know, I, I see in your profile um, on your on your website, you have shook the hands of Tony Robbins and mm. John C. Maxwell. Aside yeah. from those two guys, are there any other mentors who you really gravitate towards? And, you know, whether or not you've like physically met them, are there any mentors, you know, from books or podcasts or YouTube videos or old timey historical world renowned historical figures that really move you and speak to you and help and guide you? Yeah. So my most recent mentor, the guy that I've been following is uh, Dr. Joe Dispenza. Mm. Um, And so like I went to my first event of his July of last year, and that actually got me into meditation and meditating. Um, And since then that's been, like a daily practice. Like I went to like a week long of the seven day thing. And it's so fascinating how the meditation practice and and I'm pretty new to meditation, so I don't really know what other people do. So I'm just going to kind of speak on his form of it. Yeah. But there is something about it that has allowed me to see my truth with more clarity in that meditation practice. Like the, the mind quiets down, there's no outside noise coming in and it's been a way for me to kind of heal myself, see my goals, pursue my goals, and even like get creative around like, who should I be talking to? Who should I be connecting with? And what way do I do these things? Um, and, and what I love about it, because of my behavior training, I, I very much love data and, and analyzing that is at all of his events, he's running research. Mm. 
you know, he's doing brain scans. He's checking out people's uh, gut microbiome, taking blood tests, stool samples. Mm, wow. And seeing what happens when people meditate for seven days. Right? And he's got people all over the world. Each event is roughly like 2,000 people, um, right? Like, and he determines who's going to be part of the research. But, like, it's, it's come to the point, now, I think he's at least a decade into this, where the benefits of it are, like, you can't really deny it. Unde you know? Undeniable I, I, truth, yeah. Yeah, right? And it's, it's this cool thing where, again, people come in from all over the world. There's no through line as to, like, say, that we could say, oh, this is why this group did this. Mm. Out, the only common variable is the seven days of meditating. Now, how long do you meditate per day? Because I already hear people saying, hey, what, meditate? I, I don't have any time in the day. I'm already busy. I'm working. I got these kids. I got the practices. I got, you know, dinner to make, a dog to walk, chores to do. I don't have the time. How, how long does it take you to meditate? And how can someone find the time to carve out to invest in, in themselves because Warren Buffett, the greatest investor of all time, he says that uh, the best investment you can make is within yourself. One of the things that like we probably already know is if it's a priority, if it's a need, you'll find the time, you'll schedule it somehow, right? And so for me, like that eye-opening moment was when I went to the event, I was like, oh my goodness, I have to have this in my life. So I restructured my life so that I could do it. All and right. The funny thing with that was, um, you know, I, I've quote unquote never really been a morning person. And now I'm up at 6 a.m. every day meditating because I wanted to make sure I'd get it in my day. And, so and how long do you meditate for? Um, the shortest, like, let's say I sleep in like or, you know, I, I'm a little bit lazier that day or something, it, at least 15 minutes. Uh, and then when I'm up a little bit earlier or if I'm more stressed, I actually make sure I carve out more time. So I'll meditate up to like an hour. Wow. You know, for the people yeah. who, who, um, you know, starting off an hour is going to be too long. Hey, maybe 15 minutes. Maybe, maybe that is that, that is, you know, a, a tall order. Well, can you do five yeah. minutes? And if you can't do five minutes, can you do two minutes? You can do two minutes. If you can't do two minutes, how about just one minute of sitting and just breathing and take an inventory of how you feel. Can you do one minute? If you can't do one minute, Absolutely. then I'm just going to say that you are completely distracted. And because <laughs> you can't do it for one minute, that is the sign that you need it the most, right? Yeah. Yeah. I, I have a friend who would tell me, it's like, hey, if you have like 10 minutes to meditate, then meditate for 10 minutes, right? If you don't have 10 minutes to meditate, meditate for an hour. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's, all right. Because yeah. if you don't have ten minutes to go do something where you can disconnect, right? There's something seriously off about the balance of your life, right? And, and so that's where that that's why it's like, oh, if you don't have ten minutes, you definitely need to put in at least an hour. Then, but yeah. If you got the ten minutes, great, use that. Yeah. There's and, a. And so I, you know, I love your point too. Of like, okay, well, what if you don't have the five or or the ten or whatever it is? The breath thing, you are spot on, man. And so there's this breath where you can do, you put your hands on your heart, you close your eyes, and then you just breathe. And when you breathe, you imagine the breath going into your heart, mm. right? And it's just inhale, exhale, and you, you slow down the breath with each breath. So every single one's a little bit deeper, a little bit deeper, a little bit deeper, right? Yeah. 
And what happens is you get this brain and heart coherence, right? Mm. And what that means is if you look at like brain scans versus like your heartbeat, right? There's this pulse where it kind of ticks up and it comes down, ticks up and it comes down. Mm-hmm. And what they, what we know now, because we've done enough scans is like when you're pissed off or if you're feeling these like really upsetting emotions, whatever it may be, your heart and your brain go against each other. So mm-hmm. when your brain goes up, your heart's going down and vice versa. Right. Mm-hmm. But when you're in these positive states, like you're, you're in, you're feeling in love, you're feeling grateful, you're feeling joyful, your brain and your heart, the patterns pick, um, parallel each other, right? Mm, the details wow. are a little bit different, but when it goes up, both go up, both come down at the same time. Yeah. It's weird. You know, our brain and our heart, they're in our body, but they're all mm-hmm. separate entities that need to be fortified and strengthened and, and simply strengthened because when they can all contribute to the same goal and the same purpose, then that's where, you know, passion and becoming energized really comes from when they're, when your mind is wandering one way and your heart wants something else and your body wants, you know, some Doritos or some other, (laughs) some other instantly gratifying, um, um device then man that's where like the the disharmony comes in when you can align all of those things together and you know you know what that is going to be that's going to be like pre- the, the present moment mindfulness it's like hey we are yeah. all here together we're on the same we're on the same side guys let's uh you know focus uh um get everything back into alignment so that we can move forward towards our goals because our minds um spirits and our bodies they sometimes yeah. they, they can have different agendas. Um, Absolutely, th- there is yeah. a a philosopher. His name is Seneca, and he has a great mm-hmm. quote that is applicable to that mindful uh, breathing that you were talking about. Uh, he mm-hmm. says that uh, no matter where you go, there you are. What that mm-hmm. means is that. Oh, and then he started to ta- uh, to write a little bit more about how men, men, women, people. Um, mm-hmm. we, we want to try to travel to get away from our, our, our problems. Like here we are, you know, I, I live in Livermore and here I am, uh-huh. you know, stressed out from this and that and blah, blah, blah. I feel a little bit grounded down. And I think that, Hey, going to Hawaii, going to Yosemite, going to France or wh- wherever that is going yeah. to give me some peace and clarity and this and that it's going to alleviate the inner turmoil that I have. But according right. to, you know, scripture and, and some, some wise philosophers, you should be mm-hmm. able to retreat into yourself to find that, that inner calm. Like you don't need to go anywhere. You don't need to consume anything. You don't need to do anything other than close your eyes, retreat into your own soul. And that's where it's at. But people want that dopamine hit, you know, the, the Snickers mm-hmm. bar, the beer, the, the, the margarita on the beach. But it's like, that's, yeah. that's not doing anything other than distracting you, kicking the can down the road. Don't get me wrong. Hey, being on a beach in Hawaii, that, that's going to be great. But yeah. when that time comes for you to go back home, you're going to be with that same person. And even if you do go to Hawaii or Tahiti, guess what you're bringing along with you? All your troubles, <laughs> all of your worries, yeah. all of your anxious thoughts, your depressions, you're bringing all of that along with you. So m- no matter where you go, there you are with all of your baggage. So yeah. that's why it is important to carve out that time and heed the advice of Warren Buffett. 
um, the best investment you can make. It's not in a business. It's not in Bitcoin. It's not in uh, in a stock or a mutual fund. But the best investment you can make is within yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Um, one of the things that Dr. Joe talks about um, is the ability. Cause, so for a lot of us, the environment determines how we show up. Right. And I think mm. that's why we like that idea of escape. Like, oh, I like how I am in Hawaii because I'm totally relaxed. I'm not doing anything and, and all of that. Right. But mm -hmm. again, to your point, we got to come back to real life at some point. And when we <laughs> return back, everything comes back up again. This idea of the environment really signal tells us how we're supposed to show up. And so what Dr. Joe talks about is if you truly want to change, if you, if you want long lasting change, Right? It's not about that escape. It's not about some kind of external stimulus. Right? You have to be thinking and feeling greater than your current environment. Mm, right? Because yeah. maybe you're, you're not in a situation where you can get away. Like There's plenty of people who can't afford that vacation. Exactly. Right? They may not even have the gas to drive to the next city over. Yep. So they're like, well, crap, Like I'm actually stuck here. What do I do? How can I possibly change? Mm -hmm. And that's where that internal reflection of my thoughts and my feelings. Right. Because what happens is we have a thought and then the feeling comes up. And because you're feeling the feeling, you have a next thought and you get into the thought feeling cycle. Right. And the reason why I'm buying into meditation so much is now that I, I can actually sit and look at both thought and feeling as two separate things and create a break in between if I don't like the cycle. Nice. You know, um, as it pertains to meditation, I've also have uh, learned that there's something uh, called, um, I, I believe it is called active meditation or moving meditation. Now you can, mm -hmm. you're able to be walking and yeah. you know just in tune with your environment, taking uh, inventory of the trees, the sun, how does it feel on your skin, be just being present moment. And um, yeah. uh, the, some of the ways that I practice mindfulness and meditation, um, because there are various ways to do it, uh, is through through running. Um, before okay. I, I really started to hone in on that uh, that active meditation was I would run with music and mm. you know my my psyche would be it would be immersed in whatever lyrical content that the song was playing. You know whether it was rap or Metallica or some hip hop or whatever. But the day came when. I, I was up before the sun and I was out running. I was doing like a, a 15 or 20 mile run prepping for, a, uh, for an Ironman. And there I am, mm. I'm all pumped up and the sun is coming up and it's a beautiful sunrise, right? And I'm just like, mm. oh, you know, this is awesome. Like I was all sweaty, my, my, my body stimulated, my, my blood is saturated with oxygen and therefore my brain is saturated. So I'm just feeling good. And yeah. then there before me, a beautiful sunrise is coming up. And then a damn Katy Perry song comes on. I must have been listening to some Pandora, like best of uh, 2000s pop station. But it, uh -huh. was, it was a song, a Baby, You're a Firework came on. And I was like, you know what? Mm -hmm. this, is, this is Doritos for my mind right now because I should be like uh, completely observant of the beauty before me, of the strength that my body has, of my, like I should be utilizing this moment to just be mm. here now. But then I got Katy Perry in the back, you know, talking about fireworks <laughs> and, you know, like, whatever else that, that lyrical yeah. content is about. Yeah. So that was the uh -huh. moment when uh, I stopped running with, um, with any music. And now mm. 
It's just me and my breath and, and the rhythm of my feet and just looking, learning, and using everything as fuel to propel me forward because I used to think that, hey, I'm not going to be able to run if I don't have Bone Thugs and Harmony or Metallica thrashing <laughs> in my head to pump up my energy. But it turns mm-hmm. out you can tap into a inner reservoir of energy you know, the good, the bad, the ugly, the beautiful, everything. You can use it all as fuel to do something hard. So if you are one of the people out there who struggle with, you know, sitting still for five, 10 minutes, go for a walk, no music, and just go for a gratitude walk. You know, that there's some yeah. people who don't have legs, you know, as cliche as that is. It's like, man, how, how, how happy would you be if you know you didn't have legs and all of a sudden you have some legs you know you, like you would yeah. be using them as god intended as god intended them to be used to walk mm-hmm. to run to lift to do work but here we are distracted and stressed right yeah you know i i had this one coach who um we were part of this mastermind group and he gave us all this challenge which um, was really amazing, which was to go for a two-hour nature walk. Mm. No phone, no music, nothing. Like, you're just walking. I love it. And and what was so fascinating to me, because I feel like I'm pretty good at, like, disconnecting and things like that. But, man, it was really hard. That first hour, that I was, like, flooded with all these thoughts. Like, stressors. I, and, like, I was, like, finding myself worried about things I didn't realize I was worried about. Mm. And there was something, it was, I, I didn't have my phone, so it was, I think it was roughly around that first hour, right? Right after I got past that, things settled down a little bit. And then, you know, fortunately here, I, I'm in Castor Valley near Lake Chabot, so I kind of walked over there and I found this tree and just like sat by the tree, leaned against the tree, climbed the tree, right? And just kind of connected with this, this tree and was watching like the water and, and all of that. And there was just this calm, immense calm. I, and I think part of it was I was actually able to release whatever those worries were because I actually gave it time to come out. Yeah, us right. mo- modern men, like we are, this is new territory. We have the pacifier, aka our cell phones, to pacify mm-hmm. that that inner child whenever it throws a tantrum. Whenever we are bored, distracted, stressed, social media, social media, Google, let me, let me, yeah. YouTube, this and that. But yeah. you're like, if you can get out and just be by yourself, then you are go- going to be, um, you're, you're going to be in tune with how man has always been. And if you can't be by yourself, that is a weakness, and that is something that you can strengthen to become mm-hmm. a a a better person. There is uh, this old, um, I believe it was a Comanche prayer. And this is something that I would think about on my runs or my my training, and um, the, the the prayer goes something something along these lines. It's beauty before me, beauty below me, beauty around me, and it is is just a way for you to center yourself and appreciate nature. It's like, man, I really am immersed in beauty, and when you can really meditate on that and think about. All you know, the trees, the sun being alive, man. How long has that sun been been out there for? That is worth some thought, right? You know, yeah. just thinking about the tree. How did that tree get there? 
like that's that's where your mind is supposed to be. You're supposed to be thinking about the present moment, not um, what what my my phone notifications are or my emails or checking in on this. You're supposed to be you're supposed to be present minded. Yeah. So, so I got a question for you, actually. Yeah. Uh, so when you're talking about being present and like feeling, right? I, I think one of the things, one of the side effects, or maybe it's just the main effect of being attached to our phones and our computers is we've lost the sensation of feeling. Mm. And so like, what was that process like for you when you started this of like, oh, like, was it hard for you to feel that gratitude? Was it hard for you to even just feel like the sun on your skin to actually get clarity? Like, oh yeah, that's definitely heat from the sun rays. To then turning it into, oh, I'm feeling gratitude for the sun and reflecting on the depth and the grandiosity of what the sun means. Like, what was that whole process like for you? Was it easy? Was it difficult? Well, I th- I think that it was a gradual process of of learning, of accumulating and acquiring knowledge from here, get a little bit a bit of the piece uh, piece of the puzzle from over there, and then uh-huh. eventually just you, you have enough puzzle pieces, and there you know a, a cluster of information is over here, a cluster of information over there, and you're moving forward. Time goes on, and then all of a sudden, snap! There's a clear picture. Mm. That's what it is. Mm. At least that's how my learning, my Yahtzee, Eureka, light bulb over the head moment works is it's not a, it's not like a, a on and off switch. It is a slow gathering of information. It is a, um, it's similar to like the, the scales falling from your eyes one by one. And all of a sudden you can see clear, much more clear. And, um, you know, just being able to learn from, all sources of stimuli, you know, from from the Simpsons to Seinfeld to Marcus Aurelius and the Apostle Paul, you know, we mm-hmm. are constantly always learning, and that is one of the unique things that that I think that I bring to the table is because I am I am a lifelong learner. I love learning about uh, Isaac Newton and Mac Dre. I I, I you know the, the street philosopher E Forty and Seneca. Epictetus, mm-hmm. like I, I'm, I'm interested in acquiring knowledge from everyone and everywhere. And how weird is it that, you know, like for example, there is a a hip hop narrative and like don't talk about it, be about be about it. You know, you hear that in rap mm-hmm. songs in the street life. You know who mm. who first said that? Epictetus, Ooh. two thousand years ago, <laughs> he said, he, yeah, he said, um, don't talk about your philosophy embody it so rather than hey talking about you know saving your money or uh, talking about a a a strong body or you know this and that the benefits of sleep and rest so that you can have a strong body rather than talking about it go out and do it so that you embody your philosophy because if you're talking about health and fitness and you show up and you're out of shape you are not embodying your philosophy. You're talking about it, but you're not being about it. And in the streets, man, you can get get jacked for that, <laughs> right? So, uh, that wisdom wisdom doesn't come from today. Wisdom comes from thousands and thousands of years ago. It just takes us to be able to realize that. Like, there's there's nothing new under the sun. It says that in in scripture too. Uh, what the eye 
can see, it's been seen. What the ear can, can hear, it's been heard. What the mouth can say, it's already been said. There's nothing new under the sun. So therefore, it's like, it's up to us to knock, seek, ask, and find these solutions to our problems. Because otherwise, then we're just stuck. We're stuck in a rut, stuck in a pit. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think what's... So when I first started with you know coaching and wanting to share information and content, I'm like, oh, it's already been said. What do I have to say? Yeah. But I think our power is we carry the same message, but with modern stories, which mm. brings it alive mm. to the present people. You are the embodiment you know? of it. Yeah. And we got to live it, you know, like Epictetus wasn't dealing with cell phone stuff. So we got to teach people how to deal with cell phone stuff. Mm, yeah. Temperance, right. discipline, moderation. Yeah. Um, uh, there is another old timey philosopher, Aristotle. He has something called the golden mean. And what the golden mean is you identify a, a habit. So let's say, you know, um, you had just mentioned the, the cell phone, how to manage the cell phone. The extreme range of that mean is going to be, hey, I'm on my phone 24 hours a day, connected to it, uh, multiple social media profiles, just all day on the phone. That's extreme, right? And then yeah. the on the other end is going to be, hey, I don't even have a phone. I, you know, if you want to get a hold of me, you have to write me a letter, right? <laughs> a snail mail or, or yeah. whatever it is. But, you know, this day and age is probably somewhere in the middle. You need to have a, a phone because it is the the most powerful tool on the planet. But then if you don't have uh, the discipline and the temperance, then you are going to be connected to it. Your emotion and your psychological ties are going to be connected to a device. Mm. Do you do any journaling? Uh, I journal my meditations. So after I'm done meditating, because that meditation that I use for problem solving as well, uh, I use it to kind of process emotions. And I also use it like if I have a work situation, I'm not sure what to do with it, then I'll journal that. Um, and so that's where I feel like I get the most clarity in terms of what I'm doing with my life. And I think, oh, that was some good stuff. I got to jot that down. And then we'll use that as a point of reflection. Yeah, I have been journaling daily for maybe four years now. But prior to that, I was doing photo journalism, um, unknowingly that that was a source of introspection and meditation. But as it pertains to journaling, I've been doing that hardcore every day for the last four years. And the the catalyst behind that was, was Anne Frank, a little Jewish girl, on, I believe it was like June 20th, 1944, she wrote in her journal, uh, paper is more patient than people. And I, I was exposed to Anne mm -hmm. Frank in my youth, and that mm -hmm. was a piece of wisdom that went in one ear and out the other. I didn't have the maturity to understand what it, what it meant. But as time moved on and I matured and learned and grew mentally, physically, and spiritually, I came across mm -hmm. that, that quote again. And it was like, all right, paper is more patient than people. I was like, what does that mean? So yeah. uh, patience, that is a virtue of love. Love is kind. Love is patience. So yeah. she anthropomorphized paper. She gave paper a human characteristic of patience. And so therefore, when you are journaling, you are being patient with yourself. You're being kind with yourself. And paper is patient because... When you have a conversation with someone, 
it's not always mm-hmm. going to go as you anticipated it. Some people speak more harshly. Some people are hard to talk to. Some people are dickheads. Some people are just <laughs> rude and abrasive. Not everyone yeah. is going to have the patience for you. And because they don't have the patience for you, hey, you can feel a little bit unworthy of their time. Like, hey, I don't want to waste your time. You know, sorry, this yeah. and that. But not paper. Paper's yeah. patient. It will wait for you. And so she was the one who really put journaling um, on the forefront of my mind. And then I started to learn about how all of the greats, Leonardo da Vinci, uh, Albert Einstein, Winston Churchill, Jordan Peterson, David freaking Goggins, they all journal. And then so I started mm-hmm. to think to myself, I'm like, you know what? Um, these guys, yes, they are considered great, right? Like I'm, I'm, ne- I'm not going to hold a candle to them. But did, what, did, did journaling elevate them to greatness or is it just what great people do? I don't know what it is, but either way, I'm going to copy what these uh, goats of society have done, and I'm going to do what they do. So I, I've been journaling yeah. every single day, and it is something that I look forward to. It's just part of my lifestyle. I don't even question that I'm going to do it. I just do it. Yeah. Um, are you some of those Jim Rohn? Yeah. Yeah, the, um, yeah. the motivational speaker. Yeah, he was, he was a Tony Robbins' um, mentor. Like he was, oh, wow. uh, Tony Robbins went like work for him. Like he was like the first guy to like, hey, yeah, come work for me. And he really mentored him. And a lot of the stuff that Tony teaches came from Jim Rohn. And so on Audible, he ha- they have like a collection of his work. It's like 11 hours or something like that. I've gone through it roughly like once a year over the last like three, four years. And one of the things he talks about is journaling. And mm. he's like out of, and he keeps all of his journals too. And he's like out of my entire bookshelf, my most priced books are my journals because that's a direct reflection of his life where he's been where he's going and that shows him where he will go as well yeah um you know i i agree and then also another interesting aspect of it you know marcus Aurelius. he also um he was the king philosopher he also journaled and mm-hmm. uh, I, I find that it is interesting that you can really tap into the mind of one of the greatest emperors of all time and Mm. me being a father how beneficial is it going to be for my kids to be able to look into my journal and read my intimate thoughts you know what they're going to find is a man who struggled a man who still Mm. showed up regardless a man who had dreams ideas philosophy goals you're going to find all that in my journal so it is going to be a little bit like if they ever feel, you know, downtrodden or weak, maybe they mm-hmm. can open up and flip to a page where I felt downtrodden and weak. And but then guess what? Yeah. The very next day, I'm I'm out of that rut. You know, mm-hmm. so they are going to experience all of the same things. They're going to have to go through all the same temptations that you and I do. And I yeah. think that it will be beneficial for any child to go through and read their their parents' thoughts. And see how they mm-hmm. handled these these life situations. Yeah, absolutely. But that's beautiful, man. Yeah, right on, man. Um, <laughs> uh, do you have any have any other books than the Jim Rohn uh, that you you had recommended? Um, I, I don't want to take too much uh, more of your time, so we can end it with uh, some book recommendations. Do you have any any books that really float your boat? Yeah. Um, well, so like the Jim Rohn, I, I listened to on Audible, and so that's a great listen. Uh, 
so so I highly recommend that. Again, just because I'm following Dr. Joe uh, these days, uh, his most recent book is called Becoming Supernatural. Um, and he goes into a lot of the science, um, as well as the philosophy and uh, and things like that, of what it takes to actually change your life, the trajectory of your life. Um, so Becoming Supernatural. Uh, and I'm just going to, because I saw your Instagram post about As a Man Thinking. Yeah. Dude, like, that that book is so short, but it's like the freaking longest read. Because mm. I, 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 because I saw it, I pulled it out before we got on the call, and I was just kind of flipping through it. I, I didn't get past the first page, man. <laughs> There's something about how he writes. One sentence could be like an entire chapter of just thought. Then you want to talk about journaling and like how, you know, what my life is going to look like. Go read one of his sentences and just go journal on the, like a sentence. Um, it's heavy. It's deep. And it's like 12 pages. <laughs> like it's, I don't think it's actually 12 pages. But um, but yeah, like I, like I think I got to go back. Like, thank you for posting that because I think I got to go back and reread it. Yeah, definitely. There's, there's just so much to unpack. There um, is, there's a poem that he wrote in that book, and I'm trying to commit it to memory because it is eloquent and beautiful. But off the top of my memory, I think it goes something like, um, uh, our, our deathless or our soul, the product of a deathless soul or something like that. And then it goes, uh, although walls of granite intervene, our deathless soul can hew away to any goal you know not i i totally butchered it <laughs> totally butchered that one <laughs> but the moral of that story is that no matter what even though walls of granite intervene between you and your goals you have the indomitable spirit and that can can chew away hew away to any goal even though the freaking walls of granite intervene so yeah, it, and that that's just one little segment, and the whole entire book is like that, where it's like, oh wow, so so awesome. Yeah, but um, everything is is like that level of depth, and I just looked; at, it's twenty five pages. Mm-hmm. Um, right. If I'm able to recommend a book, I would recommend um, Booker T. Washington, "Up from Slavery." Are you familiar with that guy? I, I've heard of the name. I haven't read any of the stuff, though, so i got to check it out. Yeah, so his book is going to be on par with that As a Man Thinketh. And um, in a nutshell, he was an illiterate slave boy who was freed during Abraham Lincoln's Emancipation Proclamation. And here we have an, mm-hmm. an, an illiterate slave, right? But he parlays his freedom all the way to giving speeches before kings and queens and royalty. He, he, he parlays his freedom to become a presidential advisor and then along the way he uplifts not only himself but the entire black population and white population and he builds schools and he is the visionary and founder of tuskegee college if you go on to um on a google and you type in tuskegee college you can see Mm -hmm. the um the evolution from his little farmhouse school that he constructed with his bare hands and how it like metamorphosized into the beautiful Tuskegee College. So Booker T. Washington, that guy needs to be on some money and his story needs to be in the the hearts and minds of everybody because when I when I when I read that book, I think to myself, I'm like, dude, I am so much far further along than a than an illiterate slave boy. What am I going to do with my freedom? Cuz yeah. that cuz that guy he he didn't have the resources. He didn't have a clean bed. He didn't have clean water, shoes. He didn't have Google. 
Regardless, he built himself up and everyone, everyone else, and created a freaking school, gave speeches in front of kings and queens. What am I doing with my freedom? Yeah. Oh, I love that, man. Yeah, for sure. But hey, thank you so much, Kevin Koo. Uh, both you and I, we're going to be speaking at the Becoming a Better You Summit. You and I, we can definitely talk all day. I'm looking forward yeah. to, to hearing you speak. Uh, I'm going to be likewise. Uh, I'm going to be having a, a pen and a paper out. I'm going to be taking notes because uh, there's going to be a lot of awesome speakers there. Uh, do you know what you are? going to be a cool day. Yeah. Do you know yeah. what you, you're, you're going to be talking about? Yeah, I, I'm going to be super practical and do some stress reduction. Mm. Um, it, we're going to talk about neurological fitness, right? There's physical fitness. There's also your nervous system. You got to keep that in shape too. Nice. So I'm going to just talk through some stuff there. Yeah. Yeah. Stress is the silent insidious killer. It permeates and affects every single aspect of your life. Well, I look forward to, um, to hearing you speak. Thank you so much for yeah, your time. And until next time, Kevin, it's onward, always onward. You have a great yeah. day. Alrighty, that'll do it. Thank you for joining us on this transformative episode of Gathering Strength with me, your host, Ruben Cuevas, and my special guest, Kevin Koo. Check him out. Look at the links in the show notes. Connect with him. Check out my book, Gathering Strength, available on Amazon. And man, we explored the power of meditation, learned invaluable strategies for life, business, and leadership. And we also discovered the art of reducing stressors. Now, as we embark on this journey of empowerment, don't forget to subscribe, leave me that glowing five-star rating, and share a thought in the comments. Until next time, it's onward. Always onward.